Hi there, and welcome to Emmanuel. This is our weekly teaching podcast. We hope that it encourages you to live a little bit more every day like Jesus taught us to. God bless you. We are today finishing up our series on the book of Galatians, and I'm really thrilled that I get to tie up the end of this series. I'm really excited to be able to share with you from chapter 6 of Galatians. And so we're sort of covering the whole chapter, but we're really going to focus on a few verses. And I want to start with a verse that Paul gives us sort of as a picture of freedom. So what we've been learning in the book of Galatians is we've been learning about unlocking freedom and how we have freedom in Christ and we need to live in that freedom and we don't want to keep going back and living in the law. We want to live in freedom. And so I think Paul gives us this verse in Galatians to sort of give us a picture of what that freedom looks like. So if you want to follow along, we're going to be, I'm going to be a little all over the Bible today, but we're going to be in Galatians. The scripture will be on the screen, but if you want to follow along in your own Bibles, you are welcome to. I'll try to make sure I give you the reference. And there's also Bibles in the seat back in front of you if you want to follow along. Galatians chapter 6, starting at verse 14, it says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now, I believe that this verse is a picture from Paul's life. And really, it's a promise for all of us of what freedom really looks like. So Paul is showing us that his life is not centered on a code. It is not centered on Old Testament law. It's not centered on religion. It's, it's centered on a person. And that person is Jesus. And through his relationship with Jesus, he has experienced freedom. And Paul has given us this picture. Really, I think it's sort of an an invitation, a, a promise, really, that each of us can experience in our own life. Now, you know you are living in freedom when you, you don't have to, you get to. So, so when you move from got to to get to, essentially... So this, is what, so this is what freedom looks like. I don't have to read my Bible. I get to read my Bible. No, I don't have to go to church. I get to go to church. It's the best day of the week. I, I don't have to serve. I get to serve. You know, and that's what God wants from us. That's what he wants. He wants that's what he wants us to take from this. And that's what this series really has been all about. It's been about unlocking that freedom. And and so Paul has led us on this journey, and he has brought us to this place at the end of this letter, that that we would experience freedom. And now that we've got to here, we understand that we need to experience that freedom, he wants to teach us one more thing before he finishes this letter to the Galatians. Just one more thing that we can practically take away from this series. And it's an idea that really started back in chapter 5. So we're going to go back a little bit into chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. And it says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. 
Now, I've highlighted this idea of serve because really in Galatians up until this point, Paul really hasn't been talking about serving. He, he's been talking about our hearts. And he's been wrestling for our hearts because he wants us to experience freedom. Because he knows if we don't experience freedom, when we talk about serving, we're going to fall right back into religion. We're going to fall right back into works. We're going to fall right back into what we can do for God. It's just, it's our human nature. So he sort of withheld this idea, it seems, almost to the end of this letter. But, but as we start to close out this letter, he's introducing this idea of serving again. The next verse says, The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, so Paul is reminding the Galatians all or, or over 600 commands of the Old Testament, all the rules, all the regulations, all of them were for this idea that we would love our neighbor as ourself. I mean, that's what serving looks like, loving our neighbor. Now, for the Galatians, this might have seemed a little bit frustrating because they would have known better than anybody else that the Old Testament law was really impossible to follow. All of those 600 rules and regulations, I mean, it wasn't that bad. I mean, what could be better than loving your neighbor as yourself? And it wasn't that the Old Testament law was bad. It was that they lacked the motivation to live it. Because this idea of loving your neighbor as yourself is an idea of love. Love is relational. You, you can't love out of duty or obligation. You can only love out of love. So Paul is saying, listen, this, this is the idea, this is actually the idea of the Old Testament. I know that you're frustrated with it, so let me solve the frustration. So fast forward to Galatians 6, and this is the big idea of today's message. He says again, Galatians 6, verse 2. Share each other's burdens. So serving one another, because that's really what it's all about. And in this way, so as you do this, you are obeying a new law. You obey the law of Christ. So let me show you what that law is, what he's talking about. In John 13, in G these are Jesus' words. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Some of you probably have that verse memorized. And I don't know if you caught it, but there in that verse is the missing motivation. In the Old Testament, it was about duty. And for us, if we try to serve God out of our own strength, out of how we think things should be done, how we, we want to do things for God, we end up in that same place, duty. What Paul is saying is you have a new opportunity, and that is to experience the love of God. And as you experience the love of God, the motivation is you love others as you have been loved. You have been loved this way. This is your motivation to go and love other people. 
And when we experience God's love, we have all the motivation we ever need to serve him. All the motivation. We don't have to manufacture it. We don't have to create it. We will never burn out because it's flowing from a source of, in light of what God has given me, it's the joy of my life to love and serve other people. That is the new law of Christ. That is the opportunity that we have. And Paul has waited until this moment because it's, it was so important that we got our hearts in the right place, in that great place of freedom. So, so then as we experience God's love, it's going to be this natural outflow that we love and serve other people. For some of you, serving God has been very frustrating. It's been a duty. And maybe, maybe what you're realizing in this moment is it's been a motivation issue. It's not a desire. But when, and when you try to do it out of your head and not out of your heart, well, we get in trouble then. And that's the tension of this idea that Paul is sort of presenting to us. That's why we have to be living in freedom if we're ever going to give out of it. Live in freedom. And then by the overflow, you're just going to love and serve other people. And it's just going to be the most natural thing that you've ever done. And I think that's a beautiful picture of what we're called to do with our freedom. Truly, this is the responsibility that we have with our freedom. And I think it's true here spiritually, but I also think it's true in our lives. I mean, isn't it true that when you experience something great, you can't wait to go tell people about it? Like, like if you go to a great restaurant and you experience the most amazing food, no one has to tell you, oh, you should go tell somebody about that amazing experience you just had. That doesn't happen. You're just running around. You want to tell everybody about it. So if you're like me... Okay, are there any foodies in the house? Like, anybody who loves good food? Okay. So if you're like me, who loves really good food, and you go to a really good restaurant, the first thing that you're going to do is you're going to run out and tell somebody that they should go to that restaurant. So whenever I hear that someone is going to Toronto, I always want to tell them about this place called La Carnita. It's this amazing taco place that I love. So if any of you are going to Toronto, you have to go there because the food is so good. Or if you have a television show that you love. How many of you watch This Is Us? Come on, be honest, be honest. It's fine, it's fine. I mean, I don't watch a lot of television, but I love This Is Us. And Maya and I watch it faithfully every Tuesday night. And if we can't watch it Tuesday night, we DVR it so we can watch it as soon as we can. I just love that show. And I tell everybody about it. And if they tell me they've never watched This Is Us, I say, what is your problem? You should be watching This Is Us. It's great. Who has seen Black Panther? So good. 
It's so good. I loved that movie. It was, it was awesome. I drove my kids crazy on the way home because I kept telling them how much I loved that movie and they were in it. Like they knew how good the movie was. But I can't help it because it was so good and I wanted to tell them. And for those of you who know me, you know that I love coffee too. Like Mike and I have this in common. We love good coffee. And when Sergio started Aroma Maya, and I started drinking Aroma Maya, I thought that he really probably should start paying me a little commission because I was telling everybody about how great Aroma Maya coffee was. And if you haven't tried it, you should try it. And I'll get my commission check later for that one. <laughs> but if we love something, or if something has changed us, we want to run out and we want to tell every single person possible. So here is the big idea. What we are passionate about, passionate about can make a difference. It can make a difference. If Jesus has changed your life, you should be running out and telling everybody about it because it's the most incredible thing that will ever happen to you. We should be shouting it from the rooftops because it is the most amazing, wonderful thing. And when God does something great in, in your life, you, you want to share it with people. And as we share it with other people, we are loving them and we are serving them. Listen, serving God is not always, it, it's never been about what you do. It's about how you love. It's about how you love and who you love. There are different things that you will do, but serving God at the heart of it is about how we love. A church can have the best programs, it can have the best building. It can have the greatest preacher and the most incredible worship team. But can I tell you how a church grows? You don't really have a choice. I'm not sure why I'm asking you. <laughs> a church grows because of you. It grows because of you. It's because God has changed your life. And as he has changed your life, it has driven you to tell other people out of love. Love is our motivation. And that's the new law that we are under in Christ. As you've been loved by him, you love others. So now that, that Paul has helped us to get our heart right, and he's helped us with our motivation. As we finish this series, Paul leaves us with a very practical way for us to walk this out. And we're going to verse 10 in chapter 6. And this will be an idea that we're just going to, we're sort of going to break it apart in three points. And I want to leave you with this as we close the series. How you can use your freedom to impact the people around you, and how you can live to make a difference. Verse 10 says, Therefore, 
As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Our first responsibility with our freedom, the first way that we can make a difference, is to identify my sphere of influence. We need to identify the people that God has put in our life specifically. Your life is not an accident. The place that you work, the place you go to school, the people who are your friends, it is not an accident. God puts us in specific places and he tells us that we have people in our lives that he has given us responsibility for. To love people that he has put in our life. Now, I'm thankful that it's a sphere of influence, that it's a contained area. God hasn't called us to love everybody. I think sometimes we can feel really overwhelmed when we start to think about who we can help and what that can look like and, and all of the needs around us. And I'm sure some of you here feel that way when you think about, oh, I have to do everything. But God hasn't called you to do everything. He hasn't. He's put a boundary around it. He's given you a sphere of influence of people in your life that he has called you to love, and he hasn't called you to love everybody. Here's Paul in 2 Corinthians talking about this idea. He says, But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even you. So God has given us this area of influence, and it's important because I have mine, and you have yours, and each of us individually, we can't love the whole world. But guess what? If we take care of our sphere of influence, if we serve God in that designated area, together we can love the whole world. And together we can make a massive difference. So what is your sphere? It, it, it's really just three areas. We're going to focus on three areas, and they're all P's, so maybe we can remember them. First, it's your people. There are people in your life that are very close to you. Your family, your friends. I think it's important to note that our first responsibility, if we serve God well and we love others, is to our family. That we wouldn't go and do everything else and not take into account that the people God has placed us the closest to, right there in our own home, they are our responsibility. And I think this is an easy place where we all mess up, myself included. We have family members that need a touch from Jesus. And also our close friends. There are people in your life that are, they're, they're, just, they're just going to be in your life forever. You're going to do life together forever, and that is part of our responsibility. So we have our people, and we have our place. And for many of you here, that, that's probably going to be your workplace or your school. You're, you're going to spend a lot of hours with these people, shoulder to shoulder, working on things. 
you're, you're going to be with them almost every single day, and those people too need a touch from God. God has placed you there for a purpose and a reason. And you can make a difference in your workplace, and you can make a difference in your school in the name of Jesus. So it's our people, it's our place, and our passion. We all have things that we're passionate about that, that will lead us to certain place and certain groups of people. And for some of us, that's going to be sports. For some of us, that's extracurricular activities or particular things that we're interested in. It's going to drive us to environments where like-minded people are. And that's a great mission field because it, it's going to be really easy for you to relate to people who are already passionate about the same thing as you are. God chose your time and he chose your place. And he put you somewhere that you can make a difference in the lives of people around you. Is there anybody in here that feels like they always have the crazy people around them or the crazy situations? Like that you attract every crazy situation that's going on in anybody's life? Do any of you feel that way? You don't have to raise your hands. I know you're in here. <laughs> I really want to encourage you today. If you are one of those people, I want to encourage you by saying to you that God loves you so much and that you love so well that God has put those people in your life because he trusts you to look after them. He trusts you to care for them. Sometimes I think we see it, these types of situations as a problem. They're problem areas. But really, it's just an opportunity to meet a person in their need. And God sent them to you. I think we often pray, God, you need to do something about this. But I think if we were quiet enough and we listened closely enough, we could very well hear God saying, I sent you. I put you in the middle. I put you there to be my hands and feet because I know you can do it. So first we have to identify our sphere of influence. And secondly, Paul says that we do good to them. So here's what that looks like. We meet them in their place of need. And this is important because it's, this is very, very practical and we can all do it. Everyone has needs. I have needs. You have needs. You may think I'm more needy than you are, but we all have needs. And earlier in chapter 6, Paul says that we should share our burdens. That we need to get shoulder to shoulder with people in our lives. We, we need to get so close to them. Like You cannot carry someone's burden unless you get close enough to identify what that burden is. That we get so close to them that we are able to see the area that they truly have need. And then we get in there and we fill that need. And, and, and we find the hurt and we help to heal it. 
That's our job. That is the responsibility that comes with our freedom. In, and that we, we, we get close enough to people that we can see that. And some of their needs are going to be easy to see. Maybe they have physical needs. They, they need clothing or they need food or they need shelter. And some of the needs are going to be a little more difficult to see. Maybe they're emotional needs. There are people who, every day who just need a friend. They need someone who will listen to them. Someone who will mentor them. And there are also spiritual needs. And one of the greatest ways that you can minister to people is to pray for them. We are notorious for saying, I'm not an evangelist. I don't know what the right words are to say. I can't talk to that person because I'll say the wrong thing. You can pray for people. There are very few people that if you ask them if you could pray for them, regardless of their background, that they would say no. Very few people. You can do this. You can say, hey, I've got your back, and I'm going to be praying for you. But we have to get close enough to people to really know and identify what their need is and to share that burden. In Matthew 25, and I think this is just straight from the heart of God for each of us, it says this, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. He's saying, I had a need. And you were close enough to me that you saw that need. You didn't just do some random thing to serve me. You actually met me in my place of need. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And this is so powerful for us, the next verse. The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. God loves it when we serve people right where they are. And you need to know that one act of kindness, whether it's a card that you give out or you pray for someone at work, not one act of kindness goes unseen by God. Not one. And there's an even better truth in here. Is that he will use it in ways that you could never imagine. You have no idea what your simple act of kindness can do for someone. None. When I first started following Jesus, I was attending Stiak Baptist Church. And Tim Milner was there. Some of you may know Tim. Uh, he's an artist, singer, worship leader. He's the dean of chapel at Crandall now. Uh, he was attending this little country church in Stiak, and he was leading worship there. And when I first came there, he really encouraged me to be part of the worship team. 
And at that point in my life, I really didn't think I could lead worship. I didn't think I was a lead singer. I had a whole bunch of reasons for that. But he kept encouraging me and loving me. And he encouraged me and encouraged me and loved me and encouraged me. And eventually, he and his wife took a position in a church in the States. And when he was getting ready to leave, he wanted me to be the worship leader. And I was like, But he had encouraged me so much and loved me so well that I almost couldn't help but do it. And he had no idea when he just loved and encouraged this new Christian where it would end up. No idea. He saw a need in me. A need for encouragement. And he filled it. That's all. And I want you to know that you can do the same thing in someone's life. And you have no idea how God is going to use it in the future. So we identify our sphere of influence. We meet them in their place of need. But we don't stop there. Here's a last point as we close down this series. We point them to Jesus. And this is really important for us to know because if we're not careful, even as we share people's burdens, we we can start to take those burdens on ourselves. And this is not what we want to do because that makes them people dependent. And we need them to be God dependent because we will fail them, but God will not. He will not. So everything we do, we do in the name of Jesus. We don't do it in our own name. We we don't do it out of our own kindness. Again, remember, we have been loved, so we are loving others. Because of that love, we are loving others like he loved us. And as we serve and as we meet their physical or emotional needs, we are saying to them, every need is spiritual. And everything we are doing is in the name of Jesus. And we just point them back to him every time. Because we can share a burden, but only Jesus can take a burden. Only he can remove that from their life. Matthew 11, 28 to 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We just point them to Jesus. It's all in the name of Jesus. Every action, everything we do to serve is in his name and for his glory. Christianity is not about who we convert. It's about who we love. And as we love, God grows his kingdom. Through small ways and big ways, people's lives are transformed by his spirit and the kingdom of God grows. God's plan is to use the local church 
you and me to bring more of his kingdom here to earth. And our job is to know our sphere of influence, to meet people in their need. And as we do this, we are just pointing them to Jesus and to his church. And God takes over and miracles happen. And we get to watch it. We get to watch God do the most incredible things in people's lives because we love them well. And that's where Galatians has led us. And my hope for you is that you can receive the promise of freedom, but also the responsibility of it. Because it's the best life ever. And with these verses in chapter 6, it's a warning and a promise, which really leaves us with a choice. Galatians 6, verses 7 to 9, it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So if you plant an apple seed, you will get an apple tree. Okay? If you plant a corn seed, you will eventually get corn. This is just the way it works. It's the law of return. You plant this thing, you grow this thing. And Paul's reminding us of this principle here, and he goes on to say, the one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. So really what he's saying is, if we live out of our life out of our own self, our sinful nature, our religious spirit, trying to earn things with God, that's us living in our own control, trying to control it all. And it's, sometimes it seems like that would be good to us because we think we're in control. But the law of return says that it will lead to destruction 100% of the time. That's what Paul's saying to us. But here's the promise. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So as we live in the tree of life, as we experience the goodness of God, and as we walk in freedom, and as we love others as we've been loved, we get to live the best life possible, a supernatural life, a life that cannot be experienced in our own control, no matter how good we think our own control feels. God says there is a better way. And the verse ends, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So today is my last time to share a message with you as a church family. I have a couple um, here on Easter Sunday, but it's my last week to share a message with you. And I thought a lot about what I wanted to say to you today. But I think I will just end with this summary from the book of Galatians. And try not to cry, which you all know I'm not good at. But here it is. Do not give up. Choose freedom every day. Speak life 
and love well. And God will use you in incredible ways. And as his word promises us, the harvest will come. Let's pray together. I invite the worship team to come back. Lord, we, uh, we, just, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you for the way it equips us and challenges us. We thank you, Lord, for the way you show us how you want us to live our lives, how you want us to love people and care for people. God, how you have given us freedom to live in you and what the responsibility of that freedom is. God, we thank you that you just have such a huge heart for us, that you're so patient with us and faithful to us. And Lord, we're thankful for the way that you're working in our lives. And Lord, as we close out this series in Galatians today, Lord, would you help us to be people that love well? Would you help us, God, to see the needs of the people around us, the people in our sphere of influence that you have placed in our care? Lord, would you give us the courage to do what it is that you need us to do? And Lord, in all things, may we be people that point everyone back to you. Lord, may we see lives transformed because of it. Lord, I want to give you thanks for each and every person in this room. And Lord, I'm thankful for the way that you're working in their lives and the way that you will continue to work through their lives. And God, I pray that everything in their life they use to glorify you, to lift your name high, and to make your kingdom known. We pray these things in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.